Hi, I'm Shar Hugh. I'm CEO of The Helper Bees, and we have another episode of Voices of Long-Term Care Insurance. Super happy that we have Robert Eaton uh, in our offices here in Austin, Texas. Uh, Robert is principal and consulting actuary at Milliman. He calls Tampa Bay, Florida his home. Um, fun fact, I met Robert pretty early in my long-term care insurance career, and he has turned into a great friend and really a great advisor to me when it comes to all things long-term care insurance and branching beyond just sort of the actuarial perspective. So I'm very excited that he is here on, at our podcast, especially here in Austin. So thank you, Robert, for joining us. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. Wait, when did we first meet, actually? Was it the Long-Term Care Medical Symposium? No, it was at, formally first met at the Global Insurance Symposium uh, in Des Moines, that's actually. Right. That's right, I remember that. We, we chatted there, our first real conversation right. there. Probably probably our mutual friend Shauna put us in touch. Yeah, sometime. mutual friend Shauna and Tim, I think. That's right, that's right. So, but. So we haven't chatted a lot about this particular podcast. It's new, but the goal here is to just highlight some of the luminaries that I'll call within the industry who have not only shaped where we have been, but where we're going as an industry. Uh, we're trying to learn their story, their origin story more appropriately, and then really where they think and where they bullish about this industry that I think is really important when it comes to uh, our broader society as a whole. So first question for you, just tell us how you got started in long-term care insurance. Uh, was it something that you've always wanted to do, or did you sort of fall into it? Yeah, that's very kind of you, by the way. And um, I, I got started in long-term care insurance not through some personal story. I know a lot of people are kind of drawn to the field from, from something that's happened to them. But um, I, I lived in Boston back in 2009 or so and uh, was looking for a job because my, my role at a health insurer, uh, I felt, was starting to wrap up. and. Uh, I, I interviewed for a job at John Hancock and all the, the great folks there in their long-term care unit. Um, I sp spoke with a lot of them and I was really compelled to, you know, to, to seek that job and, and to, to go take that position. So I, I cut my teeth there at John Hancock in, uh, in Boston in the Back Bay and I haven't looked back since. What's it like or what was that impetus to go from a carrier into striking out into being a principal and consulting actuary? where you got to work with tons of different carriers as well as other companies. Yeah, I mean, that, that's kind of it. Oh, right. <laughs> but um, th there's quite a lot of things I love about being a consultant. Um, and and, and in, in a sense, working for a carrier is kind of making a different widget, right, than working for a consultant. When I work for a carrier, my, my stakeholders are policyholders and shareholders and, and regulators, and, and I'm making a product that hopefully people value. When I work for a consultant, you know, I do, I do have, a, or as a consultant, I have the ability to work with many carriers. Yeah. Uh, my stakeholders are kind of kind of all of those clients, uh, but really I, I get to sort of work for myself, yeah. uh, work work for the the great folks at Milliman and, and have a team there. And the thing that I love the most about our job is that you know, my job is that we're so independent and we can kind of seek out anything yeah. that, that's going to provide value for clients that you know provides you know our own our own revenue at, at Milliman, but you know as, as ways to kind of. Um, ways to kind of serve others and yeah. uh, and I love it and really there is no uh, really no limit of what we could do. You hit on something that was actually the reason we wanted to start Voices of Long-Term Care Insurance in that we're going around we as, as let's say vendors or consultants sure. or providers and we're talking to a lot of different carriers and there's a lot of really interesting individuals I think if you do it right you're getting in to understand that particular carrier's challenges but also how they got there and 
as we started seeing all these different conversations pop up, just given our, our purview, we wanted to, to bring it together in, in one spot. How have you seen that as you started to see that the industry evolve both within a carrier and now outside it? How are you just seeing the, the, the industry evolve in general? Where, where do you think it's heading? Uh, my my impression of of the long term care industry since I've been in it like in two thousand and nine like I mentioned, um, long term care insurers have have mostly been financial institutions kind of historically they don't really view themselves as as healthcare institutions yeah, um, and, and I think that makes sense you know they they were companies that you know offered these really long tailed contracts and you know had the the capacity and the the structure to you know, to make those promises, those 50 and 80 year promises. Those are not really the promises, uh, the guarantees that companies like health insurers tend to yep. make their like one year uh, kind of contracts. And so that, that distinction, I think, that drove a lot of companies, uh, financial companies to, to get into this business. They viewed this as like a MedSup type product, kind of feels a little bit like an annuity. I think that's really changed over the last yeah. 15 years. I think that those those companies who kind of viewed this as, as purely transactional or kind of staring staring at the, the tsunami of claims coming ahead of them, and they're like, we need to pivot, right? We need to yeah. actually address you know the the on the oncoming claims. This is far more than financial, and there's there's a lot that we can do for the betterment of everyone, you know, if we do this right. Yeah. So I had heard your name before we met at, at GIS in Des Moines. You know, I've, I've seen Robert Eaton's name all over long-term care insurance, uh, either on symposiums or conferences. So you, you, you've you've got a good sort of perspective over the industry. What stands out as one, two, or, or however many milestones or developments that you thought were sort of critical to where we are today that have either formed your opinion of the industry or your thought process or just stand out to you uh, within the industry? So, so a couple of things, I mean, if I can get actuarial for a second, uh, we had to actually hit a couple of walls as actuaries. We had to hit a couple of, uh, I'm going to call them assumption walls, um, where interest rates got so low, you know, historically low that, you know, we, we never would have believed it, you know, 30 years ago or yeah. it would have been hard to believe. Lapse rates, voluntary lapse rates, you know, got to almost 0%. The, these may not be really important to, you know, policyholders and claimants, but for the actuaries and the risk managers at companies, like those kind of events really mattered because we could pivot to focusing on um, things like morbidity, things like healthy mortality, how long people live, um, and put maybe more emphasis on understanding that better. And that's why the current, um, you know, the current deep emphasis in trying to understand morbidity, cost of care trends, um, it, it was always important, but, but now I think kind of the the tide came out on a couple of other things and sort of exposed yeah. these things that now we get to focus on. Do you think that's changing right now, depending on when viewers are listening or watching this podcast, right now interest rates are going up. Do you think that the tide is going to cover things back up or is the tide receded forever? I think it's generally receded forever in part because the standalone long-term care insurance market is still pretty dry. Yeah. You know, and so mostly a lot of us are talking about um, working with the six or seven million private long-term care insurance policyholders in the U.S. And um, yeah, I, I, do think, I do think kind of interest rates are going to still take a backseat to other really important topics. Now we see it's, you know, it's 2022. In 2020, 2021, we saw pretty unprecedented increases in the cost of providing home health care. That's right. Um, 
you know, actually we saw that trend since 2016. It, it predates coronavirus. And, uh, you know, I, I think we're going to be focusing a lot on that sort of thing, you know, over the next five or ten years. As a, as a consulting actuary, I've always, well, as an actuary in general, I don't always know what an actuary does, but yeah. I think what I've seen you craft in your career over the last several years is taking traditional actuarial analysis, but really marrying it up with what our industry calls wellness or provider services. Can you tell me about that transition? Is that sort of, from the outside looking in, that's what it appears like you're doing, where not only with your risk models and some of the other innovation you've done, is that what you're doing, is taking traditional actuarial analysis and, and, and applying new techniques to it to, to push the industry forward? I think that's the motif on a general theme. My theme has been, you know, for the last you know, eight or so years since I've joined Milliman, making long-term care kind of an understandable and an insurable risk again. Because I, I get the sense that when we're able to, um, we're able to make long-term care something that insurers understand that, that products are just going to flow. Yeah. You know, and, and not just not just one type of product, but tons of types of products. And so, you know, a, a shameless plug for a new book that I'm editing that's coming out, you know, in the next uh, five or six months or so on ensuring long-term care um, through ActEx is, you know, the goal of that book, though, is to expose all of these topics to make sure that people understand them fully in the whole, in the sense of serving a, a market to create a market. Um, that, that we have a lot of financial products, but one of the one of the things that goes along with that, I think, is, you know, what are the next generations of products going to be like? You know, what are they going to look like? And we've seen a lot of aging in place and wellness focus in the last, you know, two to four years. The long-term care tech summit, right yeah. in uh, in Sunnyvale, I think, in 2018 or 19 right. or so. I think that was that signaled to me like kind of a an, an uptick in the interest there. Um, since since that kind of gets started, I, I see those I see those elements of proactive claims management. It's really easy to build those into future products. So yeah. I, I do really see all of this kind of weaving together. It's interesting. I, I we play a lot on the claim side of things within our company, but you just brought up a point that I'm not always aware of, which is the innovation that we're doing on the claim side. It should and could feed a lot of product design. We are just now starting to see carriers asking us about that. Are you fairly confident that that trend will continue and you're going to start to see the result of which you will start to see new products, new innovation within the underwriting space? I have to imagine it will. I think it's going to start small. You know, I think it's going to, it's going to start with, with the baby steps of including a rider on an existing type of policy, if that's a hybrid policy or a, a short-term care or long-term care policy. Basically, uh, you know, building a bigger sandbox within existing policies to have these sorts of programs and benefits, not just as a, not just as a value add, but ultimately as something that provides, you know, real value, real ROI to, you know, to actual policyholders and insurers. Yeah. So switch to the data side of things, uh, we recently had um, some folks over from, from Prudential, John Sieb and Rhett Weiland, and they talked a lot about the predictive modeling capabilities. What what are your thoughts around this when it comes to either on-claims, pre-claims initiatives or, or both? Are you, are you really confident that we have the data sources that we need within long-term care insurance, which has historically been fairly data light with, when it comes to digital data? Do you feel confident in the models we're able to build today, and will they inform better, increasingly better models tomorrow? Yeah, yeah we're starting from a pretty low benchmark, like you said, pretty data light. Um, even, even our Milliman long-term care guidelines, these industry benchmarks, they have billions of dollars of claims. 
But I think if you compared you know, that data set and, and maybe the Society of Actuaries data set, some of the largest in the industry, to like one year of health claims, it's, yeah. it's, you yeah. know, it's nothing. Yeah. We, have, we have very little data compared yeah. to what a lot of other actuaries are working with. So there's a lot of room to improve. And you know, we've started to build predictive models that pull in other data to help us make better estimates than, than we can do with, with only kind of cleaned um, insurer experience data. At, at the same time, you know, with kind of great power comes response, great yeah. responsibility. We've got models that we feel are pretty accurate, but we, we rightly get a lot of questions. Like, are we, are we doing this the right way? Are we making sure these models aren't biased? You know, are we making sure that we have, you know, the appropriate uses of these models? Are they being used in a, in a correct and appropriate way? My sense is even asking those questions indicates real thoughtfulness for our industry, and it, it makes me feel good that we have smart people asking these right questions. I hear a lot, too, of not only that the bias issue, which honestly more data will help prevent that, but sort of a hesitancy on some with third-party data, whereas I could say, say at least from health insurance, which is an easy analog, uses third-party data quite a bit. I'd imagine other health uh, insurance products as well. Are you really confident in the third-party data sources providing utility to long-term care insurance? We find some that provide more utility than others. I think data sources that actually give us cues as to policyholder health, you know, if that's prescription drug data, if that's, you know, medical records of such, for folks who are on claim, we find that bringing in that other information gives us much better estimates about the profile of that claim. Yeah. You know, and, and my belief is that if we're able to take some of that data for people not yet on claim, we'll get a much better understanding of, you know, who, who are the most risky among them, being able to stratify those folks who are, yeah. who are not yet in a claim state. Yeah. All right, L last question. So we're three years from now, I invite you back to Austin. We're sitting down. We're going to talk about the last three years and trends. What are we talking about? Where do you think this industry is heading um, that, that is – that perhaps we could do now or over the next three years that we couldn't have done in the previous three? Where, where do you think we're headed? I think, I think delivery of policy and delivery of claims is going to be totally transformed. Hopefully it'll be here within 10 or three years, you know, uh, maybe not. But right now, I think if you look at how someone buys a long-term care policy, even a hybrid policy, you know, which are, which are currently the, you know, the most, you know, advanced and, and current yeah. long-term care policies, Mostly a paper application, probably. Maybe maybe you're in an agent's office and they flip the iPad around. You can enter the yeah, application yeah. electronically. Um, you're paying premiums sometimes through a credit card, you know. But oftentimes you're paying premiums, you know, with a with a monthly check or, or writing down your credit card on a piece of paper. So, just delivery of the policy itself, I think, can be far better automated. You look at life insurance and PNC. Um, the, the tech startups there have, have really taken over. Yeah. You know, I, I don't need to get into all their names. We just had Insure Tech Connect yeah. in Las Vegas last week, and it's like, or two weeks ago, and it's, you know, that landscape is totally transforming. So I'm optimistic there. And then finally, in claims delivery, you know, and actually providing uh, benefits to policyholders, I think that's a pretty painful process right now yeah. for a lot of people. And I think there's a lot of folks trying to crack that nut. Some of the consolidation in our industry, I think. Uh, can actually speed that along. Um, but at the same time, I, I think we have a, a ways to go on the, the tech frontier to be able to pay those claims with ease, you know, and give people a really comfortable experience. So I'm hopeful that those are going to be the two things we, we think about in the year 2025. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah.
Well, I want to say thank you, Robert, for not only joining us here in Austin, but you've always helped me, and I'd imagine the rest of the viewers through through your conferences help make actuarial analysis uh, more palatable and understandable, and helps it uh, helps us transform it uh, into a way that we can help innovate. Um, so thank you, and, and thanks for being on the podcast. Uh, I really appreciate your bringing me here, and I love what the Helper Bees is doing, as you know, and I'm really grateful to be able to, to sit here with you. Great.